0: This podcast is sponsored by Small Farm University, the go-to resource for gardeners, homesteaders, and farmers around the world. Small Farm University delivers classes online and on demand with training on how to grow crops and how to grow a profitable farm business that serves you, your family, and your community well. Delivered by real farmers with hands-on experience and expertise, it's unique in its approach using the Ripet Method for growing and building a farm or farm business. SFU membership includes access to a private Facebook group and monthly live Q&A sessions where you can get your questions answered and find the support you need. To learn more, visit growingfarmers.com today. Hey, Thriving Farmers, Michael Kilpatrick here with yet another episode of the Thriving Farmer podcast. And today my guests are Shane and Elizabeth Stewart of Crossing Creeks Farm in Shelbyville, Tennessee. Their family farm has been practicing regenerative and holistic farming since 2012 with a focus on providing a diversified offering to their customers. From grass fed meat and eggs to traditional foods like bone broth from their on-site commercial kitchen. They also host numerous guests through their RV sites and private open air cabins. Shane and Elizabeth, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for having, Thanks us.
0: for having us. Uh so share a little bit about, you know, let's start what got you guys started in the in farming.
1: Yeah. So it really started to feed ourselves. Um, we were, my parents actually kind of led the way with that and we on their own health journey. And, um, they actually tried going vegetarian and, uh, it didn't work out for them. They needed meat. And so the question was, well, what's wrong with particular gotcha. red meat and beef. And so it really started with how can we feed ourselves?
2: Yep. Gotcha.
0: And um, before you guys farmed, did you have uh, careers in other fields?
1: Um, so, yes, we did. Well, Shane did, particularly Shane was in. Uh,
3: I worked in Nashville uh, for 14 years on, in commercial commercial construction.
1: Okay. He's also just a jack of all trades. So he's also a farrier of like 25 years. He, yeah. poured, he poured concrete for his own company and other companies. And then um, we both grew up. And worked in the horse industry. So we were in ag uh, on the horse side of things. Um, And then my degree is agriculture business um, with a minor in nutrition. So I like to say I spent four years of learning how not to farm and eat. Yes, yes.
0: Um, yeah, we've actually got some pretty big uh, concrete projects up here we need to do, and I keep getting quotes, and I'm always just blown away by what con- it costs to put concrete in.
3: Yeah, um, yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, it's it's gone way up since I've done it. <laughs>
0: yeah yeah The cost of concrete has gone up, and, and one of the things they're saying in our area is because there's multiple new Amazon fulfillment centers. just the amount of materials for those buildings has basically bought out many of the mines for or the the quarries for like a whole year
3: yeah, yeah. And so,
0: yeah. And so the cost has just gone through the roof. So, um, all right. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, starting your farm. What kind of was like, you know, once you were kind of like on that journey, um, did you try a bunch of different things? Did you settle on one specific thing? Kind of how did that journey start?
1: Um, Yeah, the the passion immediately started with 100% grass-fed beef, Mm -hmm. uh, which is not where we recommend people starting out at. Um, Mm. I think because of our large animal background it was where we were more comfortable uh, diving into. And so my my dad it's my parents that are here mm-hmm. on the farm with us. My dad mm-hmm. invested in a charter member of the South Pole Association and bought a small starter foundation herd of South Pole heifers and a bull. And at the time we didn't have our farm. So we actually had to um, lease that from a family friend on the other side of Nashville for several years just to get started in learning intensive rotational grazing and, and things like that, which is a challenge when you don't live there, but it was Mm -hmm. a blessing and what we needed to do to begin.
0: So you said you started with beef, but you wouldn't do that again. Share a little bit about why beef might not be a great uh, thing for folks to get going
3: with.
1: Um, Beef
3: is. You just need so much infrastructure uh, and equipment.
1: The startup cost is so high with, with infrastructure and particularly. Um, You need more land um because they're bigger animals so they need more grass and uh and then that infrastructure so the cattle shoots the cattle barn the hay barn the um truck and the trailer to haul them to and from um all those things are just way more uh on the larger scale than if Mm. you start with chickens for example yeah
0: Gotcha. Yeah. It's um the fencing requirements and just the length of time it takes to produce a finished product is, you know, two years many times. And um yeah, it's a lot of cash tied up for a very long time.
1: It, yeah. it definitely is. Yeah. <laughs> and we experienced that for a long time, yes. All
0: right. So you started with with cows. Let's what was the next um iteration?
1: Um yeah, I think from there we instantly, of course, went to to chickens for some eggs again thinking just for ourselves and then um, produce produce enough for for our store now. And so it was mm-hmm. eggs. And then from there it was, um, we missed having chicken because we knew too much about chicken. So we weren't eating chicken. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so it was, well, let's produce our own chicken. And I think we did some turkeys and yep. it eventually rolled into pigs eggs. and producing um, pasture-raised pork that was organic fed, soy and corn-free. So. Um, and it just all kept evolving as our customer base grew and our customer base kept saying, hey, we love your beef, but uh, we also want chicken and eggs and pork and those mm-hmm. things.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, when did, I know you guys have a, a commercial kitchen. When did that aspect start?
1: Um, that came on um, about th- two, three years ago. Um, it is a commercial kitchen trailer. so Okay. Kind of- Looks like a food trailer um, and has a window on it, but we really designed the inside of it for a commercial kitchen space, mainly to process our bones. That was a huge thing that there was no access for
2: yeah.
1: um, locally, and we we did have a chef in Nashville that was helping us out process some of those bones into raw. Mm-hmm. Bones. It was quite the feat to get all the bones up there you know, it was just a lot of time off the farm to get it processed. And so that kind of started the passion of the commercial kitchen was value added products for the farm farm and the importance of that. And so, um, yeah, we're kind of passionate about helping other, helping the state understand the importance of that for farmers and finding ways for them to be able to have access to commercial kitchens.
0: Gotcha. Um, and with building the commercial kitchen, did you buy it already pre-built or did you actually start with a bear trailer and work from there?
3: But, uh started with a bear trailer and then and built it out from there.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. And with that build out, was there anything specific uh, like issues you ran into when you were building it with the, the regulations or was it pretty straightforward?
3: I think it was pretty straightforward. My father-in-law, he had it built out. And, uh, a guy that lived pretty far from here and uh he he actually designed he told him how to build how to put it together and what we wanted and he he built that guy built it out
0: gotcha okay so you built it to spec
1: yeah we yeah. built it to spec this guy did like food trucks and things like that and we worked with the state on it it actually um came to us through a, a state grant in the, gotcha. middle of, the middle of covid um it was kind of a rare grant and so We worked with the state on it and it's actually state inspected. Um, And that's who we work with on the permits for it.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, Now you also do some um, RV and cabins. Talk us through that side of the business.
1: Yeah, that is is quite the heart of the farm and we didn't intend for it to be. I mean, the food is the heart of the farm, but we didn't, we we had no idea what we were really stepping into. Um, That was also about- four years ago yeah, just a couple months after we opened our farm store here on this on on the farm um we had it we really it was really an accident we had to build a new shop because the original barn here was falling apart so mm. we had to make an investment and build a new shop and in the process um mainly because my dad and shane are at a commercial construction they design everything here all of our buildings and so, dad was in the middle of it, was like, Hey, we're already pouring concrete. We're already got water and sewer over here. Why don't we just on the side of this shop make an RV site in case friends and family ever need a place to stay? And friends and family told friends and family, and, and somebody said, Hey, can I pay you to stay here? And we thought, um. okay, <laughs> why do you want to thank us? Um, and I don't think we charged them nearly anything. But yeah. they, just, they just raved about it. And, yep. you know, that kind of, we really, we really discovered that we enjoyed it. We enjoyed hosting. It became this new passion of giving people an experience of what a working farm looks like and a working family farm and getting to just kind of peek into that world a little bit while they stay here. And It has just evolved from one site to about half a dozen sites. Um, and we've been very blessed with it and Mm -hmm. they stay, they stay very booked.
0: Now, are you re rule enough that you don't deal with a lot of, um, building regulations or do you have specific codes that you're following for that or.
1: Yeah. So we always have, we always advise people with that is it's, it's, it's goes county to county in your state. So it's, it's by county to county, um, Technically, our county doesn't allow RV parks, but we're not an RV park. We're a working mm-hmm. farm, and so um, it is seen as agritourism, and so we won't ever have more than just a handful or so of, of sites um, because we don't ever want to break that.
0: Yeah, so they're, able, they're being lenient and working with you and basically classifying you as a working farm that has a few sites for people to stay.
1: Yeah, it's a working farm that has a few sites for people to stay and it really taps into the tourism of our county and and that's something that the county is wanting to grow and so Mm -hmm. they're very gracious with us and allowing us to do what we do.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, So let's talk through kind of like your the farm and um, uh, where are your customers coming from?
1: Yeah, so I'll I'll tackle that one since yeah. that's really my area more on the farm than um, Shane's is. Uh, first of all, when we opened our farm store, we just thought people would flood, and I think it nobody showed up for like two or three weeks. It was, it was, uh, it was quite sad. But we really had to mm. to really market and figure out how to market. Um, our vision was for people to come to us on the farm for for full transparency of their food. Mm-hmm. and hauling meats to the farmers market is is not an easy thing to do every week and so um that was the the vision of that and again just sharing the farm with our community and so it really honestly just was just digging into social media and taking advantage of that where we could and creating an email newsletter
2: um, mm.
1: which is an absolute for any small business is having that email newsletter that ours goes out at once a week, every week. And, um, our community really loves those. It's, it's quite amazing how many of them actually read it you know, yeah. follow it and keep up with it. We also do, um, some YouTube videos are really just so that we can plug them into our email newsletter for those that aren't on social media,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but that's really where it started. And now it's just total word of mouth and we really, have been blown away just in the last year. They have just kindness of our community continuing to share about us and rave about us. And, and that's huge.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What ways have you encouraged people to do that raving?
1: Um, honestly, we haven't, they've just, they've just done it. Uh, I think we were, we were always really, Shane and I were always really passionate about um, not just raising high quality meats, but raising it with a, finish mm. and that we didn't know what that looked like or how hard that would be basically finding your secret recipe on your piece of land to get that finish on your on your meats and your eggs um, and so we kind of felt like we knew they'd find us for our quality but we wanted them to stay for the finish for the flavor for the texture
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, and so I think that it it speaks for itself um we're not perfect at it and there's still things that we're constantly tweaking which we were doing yesterday we're just overlooking things and looking at steers and things and going okay how can we keep tweaking this and get a little bit better at it Mm -hmm. um but our our customers have just they're amazing and many of them are are truly like friends and family yeah
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, um,
0: so with the the on-farm store, talk a little bit about that, kind of how that developed and what that should what that looks like.
1: Yeah, that became out of nowhere. That was just a vision that we um, we had and became passionate about as we were really beginning to have a volume of of meat. Um, like we said earlier, raising beef cattle is such a long term investment. It really took us quite a while to get to the place that we had the inventory. To really not just sell to friends and family out of our carport which is what we did yeah um and once we started seeing people drive up and buy out of our deep freezer and our carport it was like oh maybe we should actually have a store here um and make this thing look legit and so it came out of one necessity just like I said with we realized that getting to a a good farmer's market was going to be anywhere from a 45 minute to an hour drive for us and hauling meat in the dead of summer and keeping it cold to and from
2: Mm. was
1: just not something we really wanted to play with. And at the time we didn't have a freezer trailer. So it was a, Hey, we had another building project ahead of us. We actually needed a um, milk parlor for ourselves. Yep and because that old barn was coming down that old barn had housed our milk mm. parlor and our shop and so yeah. was, hey we we've got to do this build anyways why don't we just put a store on the front of it and yeah. um never thought we'd get to the point that we we're outgrowing it but we feel like we're outgrowing yeah, we the store <laughs> which is beautiful yeah. um but it has been a place of community and uh just place for people to love on each other and connect and have a deep relationship and that's been really cool to be yeah. a part of
0: yeah and how many square feet is the store
1: Ooh, what do you think
3: okay uh I'm saying it's about 20 20 oh uh, probably about 30 by 30 maybe
0: okay so about 900 yeah. square feet yeah, yeah. that's a good size store
1: yeah i mean it's not it's not tiny um but it it holds what we pack as much in there as we can yeah <laughs> and yeah it's quite it's quite grown and evolved just over the years too, as we've heard, you know, again, listening to our customers and hearing what they want to see. We try to sell a lot of other uh, local um, products that are like-minded as possible, um, and just some small grocery items as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, and I noticed like you do cinnamon rolls, is that something that you also um, do in your kitchen?
1: Yeah, so once we've really, established this kitchen space it was like okay well now we have it and we it's an expensive thing to keep going and we've got to figure out uh how to make the most bang for our buck out of it and so our take and bakes is what we call them um kind of evolved out of that and we do things like beef enchiladas with our ground beef that are done with uh gluten grain free tortillas we make an enchilada sauce for those out of our bone broth um, we use uh, grass-fed cheeses in it, and so that's one of the dishes we do. A, a turkey pot pie with our turkey, um, make the pie crust here, and then the cinnamon rolls, and we do these blueberry biscuits, and they just mm-hmm. people have loved it. We uh, the thing was was as a mom myself, as a mom and cooking and eating this way, there's not a lot of nights off, and sometimes you just need a quick meal at that you know what. Mm-hmm quality of ingredients were in it. And so that's where that kind of yeah. came from, was helping in another area for our community.
0: Yeah. And I, I find that people don't seem to care what that prepared food costs.
1: Um, no, we really work hard to try to keep it reasonable, but it is expensive to do. Um, yeah. And making sure that we are covering our costs has been a challenge and just learning that because we don't have a lot of restaurant background. And, and basically we try to operate it kind of like it's restaurant just because you're doing so much of the same similar things yeah Uh, and so making sure that we are staying somewhat profitable is is the goal for that for sure
2: (laughs) yeah yeah yeah
0: this podcast is sponsored by small farm university the go-to resource for gardeners homesteaders and farmers around the world Small Farm University delivers classes online and on demand with training on how to grow crops and how to grow a profitable farm business that serves you, your family, and your community well. Applying what you learn in SFU could save you thousands of hours and thousands of dollars. And it can save you the agony of costly mistakes some make just because they don't know what they don't know. Delivered by real farmers with hands-on experience and expertise, it is unique in its approach, using the ripened method for growing and building a farm or farm business. Here are a few highlights of what SFU has to offer in its growing library of resources. Find your perfect farm property. Whether you're renting or purchasing, this course guides you through vetting the farm property and determining how or if it suits your business needs. We give you the secret sauce for what makes a profitable farm property and help save you thousands of dollars. Start your farm intensive. Fleshing out your farm idea, craft your one-page business plan, and discover the right funding options for your business. Use our business templates, worksheets, and calculators to figure out the numbers as you go. Farmer's Market Success System. Learn how to attract and convert customers by building an unstoppable marketing and business system for your farmer's markets. Production Mastery Series. Learn all about growing, harvesting, and drying greens. Learn about tunnel building, and take specialty classes such as brand new and very popular Elderberry Masterclass. We include real life examples and calculators for figuring out fertility rates, how much money you are actually making, and where your profit is coming from. Business systems and marketing courses. Learn about the SFU Ripen formula for success, develop your marketing plan, and join in for behind the scenes tours of real farm businesses. Learn the systems you need to run your business well and how to hire a team to help you. And learn how you can add value to what you produce to generate even more income with minimal additional time and expense. In addition, members of SFU get access to the Growing Farmer Summits on demand with over 100 sessions of targeted areas of interest to farmers. These annual online events have attracted over 100,000 people from around the world and they are included in your SFU membership as a bonus. SFU membership includes access to a private member group, monthly group Q&A sessions, and even one-on-one coaching sessions where you can get your questions answered and find the support you need. To learn more, visit growingfarmers.com today. So what would you say um, with your, you got social media, so I see you're doing social media. What do you think in social media works the best for your marketing?
1: Stories, maybe? Yeah, uh, we've kind of fallen off our stories a little bit, but Instagram has been more so for us um, than anything, than, than any of the others. But, um, you know, it's a constant changing platform. Mm. And so right now, you know, being in your stories isn't nearly as hot as having your reels going. And so um, we're not always super creative in that, but we try to be. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, if the thing is with those like those reels and all of that, those are only there for twenty four hours. And the problem is is that means you're constantly having to be on social media to get that content put out there,
1: yeah. and we're we're at a point where the business needs us in other areas, and so we're not on nearly as much as we used to be, yeah, um, as we just are trying to grow different areas of the business,
0: yeah, yeah. um so with the um, With the the business now, where do you see the growth happening over the next couple of years?
1: Um, Well, we would really love to actually see a a full-size brick-and-mortar commercial kitchen happen. Um, The trailer has been great and a great place to start. Mm -hmm. Uh, But as we're in it and we are growing it, we are feeling the growing pains in it. And so that's kind of where we are hopeful to head next is to be able to have enough monies to, to build a full-size commercial kitchen. Um, We'd love to have like a micro butchery attached to that as well. Mm -hmm. And are toying with that idea. And although we have great butchers and we're very blessed and love our butchers.
3: Um, We hope to expand our, a little bit of land so we could have, so we can build our beef herd a little bit bigger. Yeah. Or extend our grass at least.
1: Yeah, I think that's our biggest challenge right yeah. now in our growing pains is is that we don't have enough beef for our customer base.
2: Mm. Uh,
1: and that's one of the more expensive things to expand because it needs more land. And currently, where we are, the price of land is. Quite yeah. High, and it's. I can imagine. That way. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: and so, um, yeah more land is, is a challenge for sure. Cause at the price in which it is, you can't justify it on selling beef.
0: Yeah. 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 And I see you also have a dog park.
1: Yeah. Yes, we do. So
0: where did that come from? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was um, really kind of random. Uh, Sniff spot is who that runs through um, which is like Airbnb for your dog. And they reached out to us um, via email like two years ago, I guess. And we're like, hey, are you interested in, in putting one in? And we were like, well, I don't know, let's think about this. And as we dug into it, it was really something we needed that we didn't know we needed. Um, okay. We are dog friendly with our RV and campsite guests. Uh, our requirement is, is that dogs are on leash at all times because of mm-hmm. obviously the farm animals. But, you know, somebody's been on the road for eight hours and the dog's been cooped up in the car and they're like, can I please just let them off leash? I promise they'll be, I promise they'll be good just for a few minutes. They just need to run. And we're such animal lovers that we're like, sure. You know, and then, and then there's that chicken that gets, you know, yeah, cooped up real fast because Fido's really excited to be here. <laughs> and so um, we, yeah, we made the investment to build, to build it, which was fencing, which fencing is expensive obviously, but we looked at it as really as um, something that added value to our land. And then it created a, a place that is for safe off-leash play. Mm. For our guests, but also for our local community. We've, we've had a lot of local community take advantage of it. And um, it's private in that you're reserving it um, per the 30 minutes or the hour. However long you want, you know, if you want it to be several hours. And so you're not, it's not, you're not just in there with a whole bunch of other dogs. Um, so we get a lot of people who have rescue dogs who maybe have trauma and they can't be around a lot of other dogs. Ah. And but they need to get them out and they need to get them exercised. And so that's kind of behind that's kind of the vision behind Sniff Spot was creating private spots for people to bring their dogs to. And so it's been really neat. It's um not like a huge moneymaker for us. It's really just a value-added thing that we mm-hmm. can have, and it really gives us, like I said, a place to send those guests with their dogs and say, "Here's the safe place to go off-leash. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be on leash if they're outside of that if that that area."
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, talk a
0: little bit about the um, the. So you've got the the beef. You've got the store. Um, what, like the, the vendors that you've got in there, I'm curious, like how you've sourced those and like how you've chosen which people to put in there.
1: Yeah. So that's again, kind of been my, my lead on that. I really am managing the, the store in the kitchen space, um, the most. And so the store, I've tried to be pretty intentional about who's, who's there, who's in our space, um, mainly with uh, the ingredients that are in those Mm -hmm. products as that's very important to our community, our, our customer base is educated. And so if they're sourcing meats and eggs from us, they probably already have an idea of looking on the back of a product at the ingredients list. And so, um, we first try to go local if we can, if we can't find something local, then we'll go outside of that. Okay. Uh, but that's kind of this the intention. It's always kind of changing, and just listening to our customers and their feedbacks. Uh, also, just what products we eat in our house too. We've brought in products that companies that we just love that you know help us out in our bone pantry. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's where that's kind of grown from.
0: Yeah. Gotcha. Um, let's talk about going back and thinking back through your years of farming. If you were to go back to the beginning, what things would you do differently um, as you built your business?
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I think that that's
3: hard. <laughs>
1: that's a really hard one. Um, we've been very blessed along the way and we've made a ton of mistakes, but those mistakes are where we've learned and grown. And so I'd, I'd hate to say that we really would want to change anything because it's made us who we are today. Yeah. Um, I'd say one of the biggest challenges was was meat chickens, and finding a groove with with broilers to stick with broilers. Um, and we don't do a lot. We don't do a lot of broilers. Okay. But that is probably one of the biggest things that we had overcome was how oh, to raise meat chickens efficiently mm. and still like it yeah okay <laughs> that was not a passion for us at all we are definitely large animals shane and i have a more passion for large animals yeah our, our sons have they
3: do the they did like the poultry a lot better our sons. yeah
1: they've grown up with birds and so they like handling managing the poultry a lot um but for even for them, there was a point where they were, they were miserable with the meat birds, and so gotcha. we really kind of had to find our groove. We almost, we almost totally pulled out of that.
0: Yeah. Time. So, what kind of system do you have now? How is that working for you?
3: you have a. They're called the Chicken Mobile House. Mm-hmm. That's where they come from, and it's, it's a like the meat bird coop. It's on skids. It's fifteen by twenty four, I think. It, mm-hmm. they, they're all solar paneled have solar panels on them and timers where you can it uh it's got a 750 pound hopper where you fill it full of feed and then you set a timer and it can feed them any time of day you want to so that's really good it's got eight you know an 80 gallon water tank you can fill up with the uh, bellwaters in it mm-hmm. so yeah it's it's it, it was a game changer because you don't have to haul feed every day and water whole buckets of water every day
1: (laughs) yeah that was a huge one I think the other thing was that we we just discovered we did not enjoy raising Cornish Cross gotcha that for us I know farmers that do them and love them and that's great for us it was it was it was slightly miserable for us and so we on a last ditch effort switched um from Cornish Cross to Meyer Hatchery's Rainbow Rangers okay and have truly loved them they're yeah. they're a cross between Cornish Cross and Freedom Rangers and that has been much more enjoyable for all of us
0: gotcha all right so you changed the bird you changed how it's up yeah I have not seen their latest iteration of the uh, that um, broiler house there so that's pretty cool now on the front and back I'm assuming there's some a pretty heavy duty um rubber buffer so the chickens um to go over the grass there
3: oh yeah yeah they got uh, rubber on each on the back and the front but if you're pushing it you gotta be careful because the wheels are on the front but but yeah that's it's it's set up pretty good
0: yeah i that's really interesting with the wheels on the front how that kind of solidifies the whole thing um yeah, that's cool. And then you got your feed on the front, which is really, really nice.
3: Yeah, it well, it's got the wheels on the front because it's yeah, it's got the the, feed the weight and yeah, yeah the weight the, uh, the feed and the water on the front.
0: Okay, so it's got a water hopper on the front too, then.
3: Yeah, the water tank is actually inside, but it's it's a like I said, eighty five gallon water tank, and right in front of it on the outside is a seven hundred fifty pounds of feed you can fill up.
0: Okay, now I can see it. Yep, I see the blue, yeah, the yellow. It's inside. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, now I got it. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. That's very cool. Um, yeah. I mean, it really comes back down to the scale you're at for chickens and, and kind of what systems you're at, but um, this actually, you know, how many birds do you typically put in a system like this?
3: It's, I think they said we could, you could put 300, but we like putting around 150, 175. Yeah.
1: We, we don't like, we have two of them. Um, we don't, we really don't like overcrowding them. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um for us it's I think they're 250 rated. I don't know. It's
3: probably probably two. I'm not sure. They're 250
1: rated, but we're doing about 175 of them. We we could push it a little bit further. Yeah. uh, But that's just where we're where we're at with them.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about a team on the farm. I'm assuming you guys have uh like employees or people that help you with different aspects.
3: Elizabeth does.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he always jokes that he doesn't get any help. Um, yeah, so he's he's still just him, and our sons are all of our farm help. We don't need farm hands at this point in time that we've hired. Okay. Um, we have currently we have three part time employees, uh, really part time that are just helping us in the kitchen mainly and a little bit in the store. Okay. Uh, just because we don't, I don't actually have the time to go into the kitchen and and make all the things. Um, and so we have, um, employees that help us with that.
0: Gotcha. And then, um, and what is in your process for finding the right people?
1: Um, really word of mouth, just reaching into our community and, um, we've been incredibly blessed with who's here and, um, they are just learning and growing with us and, giving us grace and as, as, and, uh, giving them grace, I think too, as we all are learning and, and figuring this out as we go. Yep.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Um, and then your, your kids help too. So talk a little bit about kind of like how you work with them on that.
3: Well, yeah. Noah does the ducks. He, he's always raised ducks past I don't know four or five years. And like I said, they can't, they can't take care of most of the poultry and, uh, but they do and actually they do all the mowing around that around here. Uh
1: they do most of our mowing. Most so just of mowing. they're gonna be they're both summer babies, so they're gonna be uh nine and fourteen this year, and Noah's our oldest at 14, and Caleb is our coming I mean, to be nine year old. And um they it's quite amazing. They truly love they truly love it here. It's really actually hard to get them off the farm. Yeah. Um, but they have all our their, their schools done here and um, they really enjoy hosting and meeting people from all over, meeting kids from all over. And then now yeah, they're really involved in the daily chores. Uh, one thing that's been important to us is making our chores as efficient as possible uh-huh. so that there's not a huge chunk of the day spent on it. Um, and so I think that's helped make it a little more enjoyable too, is that you're not just out there all day long trying to water and move ducks or whatever it is. So. Um, there are those days and those moments that that happens, but on, on the most part, we try to make them pretty efficient systems. And that's what allows us to have time to do these other business entities. Yep. The boys are, Mm -hmm. are, you know, the youngest is uh, responsible for watering and feeding all the laying hens and collecting those eggs. The oldest is responsible for all the ducks because that was a business that he started when he was about seven. Uh, was creating duck eggs for our store, and uh, and then yeah, they help Shane with whatever whatever else he needs. So
0: gotcha. they're there. Yeah. And with the ducks, those are just from for eggs, not meat.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: He won't let us. He won't let us process the ducks. <laughs> okay,
1: <laughs> No, is so attached to these. That's the one thing he's he's. Uh, I mean, they we we aren't currently processing our meat chickens here, but they we used to and we had a smaller volume and the boys were a part of that. So they fully understand what that is. And so, um, and they're comfortable with that, but the ducks are something that Noah has just decided he really loves keeping for just eggs.
0: Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And then you said she said you do process on farm for the chicken. We used
1: to, we're not okay. right now. Um, just cause our volume went up and then our demand for, um, Cut-ups on our chicken was so high and we did not have a way to chill those birds and cut them up and package them in a chilled facility which we felt like was really necessary to protect the quality of the meat Ah. so that may be something that we can bring back one day and if we have like a, a micro butchery space um but we we don't currently butcher chickens on site
0: gotcha okay um and then um, with, the, with the, the, the RV people that come, is that something where that's mostly during the summer or is that mostly seasonal, uh, or, or not in the wintertime when it's colder?
1: Um, it definitely slows down in in the colder season. Um, however, we've recently uh, opened up for monthly stays. So those that are looking for a long, more of a long-term stay. Um, and so a lot of times we fill those sites with people that are just kind of looking to hunker down for the winter
3: oh then, interesting yeah. okay most of, most of it's people that's working from home or or like
1: yeah like, like uh, today we have a traveling nurse that's coming in for a couple months uh that she's contracted in the area with one of the local hospitals and so they always need a place to kind of go and so sometimes we'll set aside a couple of our sites for that we're definitely in the travel season now um mm. but it, it's an ebb and flow it just change and, uh there's a lot of coordinating involved with that and customer service on that end for sure but yeah we still stay we try to stay full in our sites
0: yeah so then that's so then she's coming in for a couple months and i'm assuming she's bringing an rv and she's towing a car or something so she can have the the get back and forth
3: correct yeah mm-hmm.
0: oh very cool yeah, that's something we're unfortunately in zoned wrong to be able to do something like that. But um, and we're between two train tracks, so uh-huh. it would make anyone staying here kind of uh, have to get used to the trains real quick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, but yeah, it's definitely uh, something that I am excited about trying to add to a future operation. Yeah, cool. What what kind of advice would you give someone who you know maybe is on the fence of uh, wanting to get started with their farm but not quite sure what to um, do?
1: Uh, I think it's, we would really say start small. Uh, don't yeah. don't diverse, diversification is important, but don't diversify too quickly.
3: Yeah, you uh, can't do it all.
1: <laughs> you can't do it all. We learned that the hard way. You yeah. can't do it all. You need to get build a community around you with other other farmers as well. And, um, you know, kind of diversify, let that be your future goals, but also really solidifying and getting good at one or two things is really important before you really release your products to the consumer.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. So you've worked really hard to make sure that the things are quite dialed in.
1: We have, again, we don't feel like we're perfect by any means, and there's always room for improvement, but um, we we always started small, even like when we, I think the first time we ever did turkeys, it was literally like five turkeys, yeah. um, and now we'll do, you know, a couple hundred this year, mm-hmm. but getting really good at turkeys took a little while, understanding them, understanding their needs, uh, having... Animal husbandry skills for each each livestock um, mm-hmm. has been important. And learning what each each thing needs from us to be able to thrive and do well and create a great finished product.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, very cool. Well, I appreciate you guys coming on today. Anything else you'd like to share before we go?
1: Um, I don't think so. I, don't I think so. This has been great. Thanks so yeah. much for having us. Thanks for having us, yeah. Um, if people like to learn more about us, they can help on our website at www.crossingcreeks.com. And yes.
0: And you have an Instagram and a Facebook, which our Facebook is Crossing Creek, Creeks, Tennessee, and Instagram is Crossing Creeks Farm.
1: Yep. And we're on YouTube as well at Crossing Creeks Farm. Yep.
0: Very cool. Well, again, thank you so much for coming on and appreciate you sharing your story.
1: Thanks so much, right. Michael. We appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Yes.